we've been in this little mini series called Be Someone's Miracle. Would you turn to that person next to you and say that to them? Say, Be Someone's Miracle. Oh, you can do better than that. Say, Be Someone's Miracle. Tell them. There you go. There you go. And uh, I don't know if you realize this, but seven days from now uh, is what uh, the world calls Easter weekend. We here at Church on the Hill call it Miracle Weekend. And the reason we call it that is because it's not a miracle that Jesus died. It's a miracle that Jesus resurrected. And that is the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. And I say that because all the other religions say that they have these founders and they have these, you know, prophets and different, but they're all still dead. Only Jesus resurrected. Are you with me? Say yes. That's the one true God that we serve. And so this weekend coming, um, we're actually, it's the time where a lot of people's hearts are open to, to kind of go and, and, and engage with, with, with Jesus and his church a little bit. And so I'm asking you to be sure to get out there on your social media, invite folks. In fact, we've opened up a couple extra services. We'll do an 8 a.m. service. We know some of you got to go to grandma's church. So we'll do an 8 a.m. service. It's only going to be 50 minutes. It's going to, we'll take communion union in that service, and then we'll go to our 9 a.m. normal service, our 1045, and then we're going to do a noontime service for you guys who had to go to Grandma's uh, church first. Then you can come over and be in your church at noon with us, and, uh, and we'll do, we're going to do shorter services, so your friend, who you know, he cannot go without a cigarette for at least you know, 30 minutes. That's okay. We'll keep it quick for him, all right, so that he can, he can come and, and, and worship the Lord with us, and then, uh, and then we'll do our 6 p.m., and if you didn't know we had a 6 p.m. service, we have a 6 p.m. service every Sunday night, and uh, it's just like all the other services. They look, it looks exactly the same, and so it's one of those kind of moments, guys, here at Easter where people's hearts are real open, and so I want to challenge you to be the church, be someone's miracle. Say it with me one more time. Be someone's miracle, and so when we were planning out, uh, we try to get on our faces, and we cry out to God, and we ask the Lord to tell us, what does he want us to minister? And we ask him to give us the first quarter, and then the second quarter, and that's how we go. So in January, we were on our face, crying out to God, what do you want it to look like? And so we started planning out all the series and the sermons as the Lord gave us insight. And so uh, months ago, when we were planning out the series, we got to the place where we were going to preach last week on micro miracles, and then this week, we said, you know what? This part of miracles really needs to be about how when we come together as a community, we actually can transform entire communities. And we said, out of all of us, who carries that more than anybody else? And everybody turned and went, Miss Jamie, she's the one that loves the community more than anybody else. So it's amazing how this thing fit right in this spot. So today, without any further ado, I want you to give a crazy warm welcome to Miss Jamie as she comes and brings the word of God to us. It is so wonderful to see you this morning. I uh, really, although I get very nervous on the mornings that uh, I do get to share, this topic is so incredibly exciting to me. It is my passion, and so I am thrilled to get to share with you this morning. Everybody look at me and smile. Let me see smiles. I love that. I'm a visual person, so I feel better when you smile at me. Thank you. By the end of the service, some of you will get awards for the biggest smiles, because in the moments where my mind kind of fades and I'm getting senior moment or blonde moment or whatever you call it, it's the faces that help me go, oh yeah, right, that's where I was going with that. Thank you very much. So never think for a minute that anybody up here doesn't appreciate 
the nods and the smiles and everything. So it's very helpful. It is a joy and a delight to get to be with my favorite people this morning. I love you so much. And I love as we talk about how we can be someone's miracle. You know, throughout our whole lives, you want to feel like you can make a difference. You want to feel like that you can live a life of significance. It cracks me up that every kid with a phone now thinks they're going to be a YouTube sensation. And maybe they will. I don't know. For now, it makes for great bloopers to watch these kids uh, try to set a camera up and do a karate kick and knock their mom's ceiling fan off or whatever and, and everything. But because deep down inside each one of us, we really want to believe that we left this world differently than we came, than when we got here. And the, the beauty of that, we talked about last week in part one of this series, those micro miracles that Jesus said in Matthew, if you just give a cup of cold water to someone in my name, that you've made that difference on judgment day, that that was the identification of you of the ones he said enter into my rest because they were willing to take a moment and look at and see the need in the middle of the chaos to find somebody and say I want to instill value in you I want to make a difference I want to meet a need in your life right now and so we read about Philip on the road the desert road how many of us have been on a desert road before where life just felt dry we thought what in the world why am I here and in the middle of that moment, the Lord brought an, a very prominent Ethiopian across his path. He shared the gospel, and history tells that a revival started across all of North Africa because Philip was, wherever the Lord had put him, he was willing to share the gospel in that moment. And so that was the beauty of us saying, whether we're in the checkout counter somewhere, wherever we are, how can we do a tiny micro-miracle that makes a huge difference in people's life? But this week, we're going to talk about what happens when the body of Christ says, we want to be a part of coming together and seeing God do big things. I wrote it this way. When individuals in the body of Christ decide to be someone's miracle, big things happen. When we understand that he has called us to serve others, no matter what we are facing, then we join together to see the heart of God become a reality. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the incredible men and women that have come together here to worship, to honor your name, and to open their hearts to what you have to say. Father, I pray that you would ignite a spark in each and every heart that would just continue to burn until we are a whole bonfire, Father, towards your, of your glory and your praise, Lord, that others would see a light and feel the warmth and know that this is a place where lives can be changed. Father, we give you praise and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning that we start with comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 in verse 14. And this is a scripture that you may have heard if you've ever been invited to a prayer meeting, if you've ever been invited to, oh, it's time to start our 40 days of prayer and fasting. And so this is the scripture. Actually, the context is that Solomon had built this huge temple, um, the temple to the Lord, and they were dedicating it. And people had come from as far as the known world to celebrate and to be a part of this temple dedication. And as they're making, they're giving offerings and praises to the Lord, then God speaks from heaven. And this is what he says in verse 14. Read it with me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Such an important scripture when we're reminded to, for a call to prayer, a time to come together and pray that God would transform and change our nation, change our communities. It's a scripture we've heard often. But the, the word I want to focus on this morning is actually the third word in the whole scripture. And that word is what? If my people. It doesn't say if the king, if the president, if one really important person, more important than everybody else, will humble themselves and pray. It doesn't say if the pastor will humble himself and pray, or if the leaders will humble themselves and pray. It says if my people will humble themselves and pray. When we come together in humility under the banner of prayer and we believe that together God does big things, then God does those big things. And we see things change because we came together. And so, um, you know, I asked, uh, the cool thing about getting to, to share this morning is that it's actually, we prepare these sermons together, Pastor Adam, together, Pastor Adam, Pastor Jonathan over in Mansfield, we all get together. And so we really kind of wanted to have an illustration of what it looked like when a number of individuals actually got together towards something bigger than themselves. So Pastor Jonathan found this uh, clip right here in the first service. I tried to make a joke that it was Pastor Lance, and it didn't go over well, y'all. It was really bad. It bombed because people didn't know I was joking, and that was not good. So this is not a joke. This is not Pastor Lance or anything like that. Scratch that off the notes. Didn't try that joke again. It didn't work. So let's watch this video clip, though, of what happens when a number of individuals come together for a bigger cause. a time lapse of 10 hours. that music. Boy, we should do that more often. Is that crazy, guys? Ten hours. That is not what we will be doing when we come together. It will involve food and fun, but not a barn raising. So, But when people come together, big things happen. We saw that in the Old Testament that Jesus, I mean, that the, the Lord came and said, if my people come together. We see it again in the New Testament when the book of Acts, when the early church came together. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says they were all together in one place and the place was shaken. And we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Later in chapter 2 verse 42, it says they met together in the temple and in homes, breaking bread and, and ministering to others. There is a synergy and a power that comes when the body of Christ gets together. But it didn't stop there in the Bible. One of the most fascinating historic facts to me is the creation of hospitals. We just assume, I guess, that a bunch of doctors said, hey, we can make a lot more money if we're all in one building at the same time. But that's not how it started. In just 300 AD, in Caesarea, which is in the area of Israel, um, actually Christians got together. 
Because there was so much false information out there about magic and potions and voodoo and all these things. They said, there's a real thing called medicine that God gave us that can help people. And so the first hospital was actually started by Christians. And throughout the years, as Christians got together, many of them formed hospitals. Have you ever heard of Methodist Hospital? Wow, mind blown, right? Like it really was a video. Presbyterian Hospital. Baylor is a Baptist hospital, St. Jude Children's Hospital, and then I think they, ran, they just ran out of too many saints, so they just started All Saints Hospital, all those together. Those were all started because people said, we love God, we love people, and we can minister to people when we come together in a bigger way than we can. In the early 1700s, in a tiny little village 24 men and 24 women from, that were Moravian descent decided that they would each commit themselves to one hour of prayer a day. Those 24 men and 24 women started a 100-year prayer meeting. For 24 hours a day, prayer went forth for over 100 years. But it wasn't just a prayer meeting that started. Revival started in those communities, and a missions movement was started that began to change the whole world. Because men and women packed all their belongings into a box the size of their body, a box, a coffin, and said, I'm not coming back unless it's in this box because I'm staying out there until I share the gospel with the uttermost parts of the world. A tiny group of people started a missions movement that changed the world because they came together. And I love that. All over the world right now, there are communities that are gathering, other churches, denominations all getting together and saying, Lord, we cry out that you would eradicate poverty in our community. We cry out that you would eradicate racism, that you would end crime in our areas. And they're pouring their lives, they're pouring prayer, they're coming together, and God is moving in big ways. I love that as Church on the Hill, before this church even had a building, before we had much of anything, we were a ragtag group that said, if we will come together with what God's already doing in this city, if we'll join with things like Mission Cedar Hill and Christmas Cedar Hill and, and, and uh, Santa's Cafe and all the different things already going on, that we can be a part of bigger things and that God will begin to transform our city. And that's what you see happen. That's why we do Miracle Weekend. We don't do Miracle Weekend because kids need more candy. They've got plenty of candy, and we can just wait till the day after Easter and get it way cheaper, I'm sure. But because children need to know that they're valuable, they're special, that we create a memory, that we invest in their lives, and that we hopefully in some small way make a difference. Amen? I love that. How did the YMCA get started? How did the Red Cross get started? How did the Salvation Army get started? Because Christians said, let's come together and let's serve people and let's serve our community. That gets me so excited. I love it. I just can't wait. Miracles happen. Healings happen. Hearts are changed. Marriages are put back together when Christians come together. And the difference between Christianity and just as some kind of self-help or feel-good support system is the miracles. The miracles are what say to people, this is different. Jesus is different, and he has the power to change your life. Amen? We see in Luke chapter 7 that John the Baptist was very discouraged. John the Baptist had gone before and said, 
this is the guy, he's coming, it's Jesus, make way, everything's going to change. But now he finds himself in prison, and he says, I wonder if this really is any different than any other person that's ever come before and claimed to be the Messiah. So he sends people to Jesus to say, are you really the one? In verse 20 of Luke chapter 7, it says, when men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. When people hear what God is doing in our own lives, because we share our testimonies, when he hears what he's doing in the lives of communities, then it instills hope that things don't have to be the same way they are, but that things can be different. Things are different when Christians get involved. Amen? We've talked about hospitals, but that even happens in modern day. Uh, In our first service, we had Pastor Sullivan here. Pastor Sullivan is an amazing man of God who has given his life for the orphans of Haiti. He's given his life, and we were talking about it earlier, and there is no education system and support system there. But when Christians come, when believers come, and they begin to pour into the children there, then you see people who may not have had a a hope begin to once again have hope. That's why we do missions. Yes, it opens our lives, and it helps us know that all the privileges we may have as Americans, but you know why we go? We go to help serve others. Because when we come together and we serve others, we can change a whole nation. We can serve a nation to the degree that we change the education system of a whole nation just simply because we're willing to come together. We're willing to set aside maybe part of our resources to go on those trips. So, And Erica didn't even ask me to say that. Isn't that wonderful? We can go on those trips. Amen. Miracles are the proof that Jesus is in our midst. They're the proof to people that Jesus is here. And so that's my heart cry. Lord, do miracles in everyday life as we're out cutting the grass. Turn off the lawnmower. Pray for our neighbor and see God change their lives in that moment. So then you think if they're so incredibly wonderful, why don't we see more of them? Why is there just not a miracle a minute around here? Many times there's obstacles that keep us from branching out and from stepping out and from joining in to that together, to joining into what God's doing. So I want to cover three things that are potential obstacles to, uh, to miracles. The first one is fear. And I think it's one of the biggest because fear comes in so many packages, so to speak, in so many forms that it keeps us from being a part of what God wants to do. We see this in the Bible. Um, There was a man named Ananias, and he actually, the Lord came to him and said, you're going to get a visitor, and you're going to be a part of changing his life. Well, this wasn't just any visitor. This was a guy named Saul. We may know him as Paul. But before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he wasn't a very good guy. In fact, he went around making it his passion to throw Christians in jail and to see that they were tried and even killed. That's not someone that I would like to host for an afternoon in my home if I was a believer. And yet the Lord in Acts 9, let's see what happens in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Ananias, the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told us, told him, go to the house of Judah on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul, for he is praying. 
In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on his name. He had every right to be terrified because this man had a reputation of of imprisoning and killing Christians. He said, I am not about to go put myself in a situation where I could also be one of those people. But the Lord continues to say, I need, you to, I need you to go because I have a great calling for him. He also will go through a number of things, but it is all for my cause and, and my purpose. Ananias had to push past his fear and to go forward to be a part of what God wanted to do. And guys, this last year, fear became a real thing to me. It wasn't just a topic or a, you know, a scripture that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And it's kind of a cliche. And some of you remember in the 90s, we had no fear on everything, right? Anybody else still from the 90s like me? No? Gosh, guys, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. At least somebody back here. But y'all, fear became very real to me, and I want to tell you this story. Last November, we took our family on a vacation together. We took a little time away. We went to have a little fun. We, we went down to the San Antonio area and did the river walk, and then we spent a day in Bandera, Texas, which is a little town. It's so adorable, and I spent many, many summers there. We saw horses. We saw dude ranches and all that, and then we saw this beautiful river flowing gently through the town of Bandera. Bandera. Bandera, yeah, with huge cypress trees, and the water was crystal blue, something you don't see in South Louisiana for where I'm from, is clear water ever. And so this is just fascinating. And while we're watching the water trail by, this adorable little millennial couple comes kayaking past us, just ever so gently past. And so Pastor Adam said, let's do that. Now, we didn't have swimsuits. We didn't have anything like that. It's, It's like 60-ish degrees outside. It's really cold. But they were all dry. They looked like they were having fun. Surely this is a wonderful experience, right? No. Does anybody else kind of get a little nervous around water? Is it just me? Thank you. I get a little nervous around water. So, so we go and we find out where to rent the kayaks. We get our kayaks and we pack a lunch. We get these brisket sandwiches, almost as good as Winter's Barbecue, but not quite as good. But we pack our brisket sandwiches up in this little cubby. Does anybody know that? Kayak canoes have like these little cubby holes and you can put all your stuff. And I thought, this is going to be the sweetest family memory we've ever had. So we start paddling. The water is freezing. We pull over and we have lunch together, eat some of our food, and we get back along. Now, mind you, because I have my children with me, Mama Bear is just a little bit nervous and a little protective. So I asked the young guy who looked like a California surfer, um, do I have anything to be worried about on this kayak? And he was like, nah, you're good. Nothing to worry about. I said, are there any rapids that are kind of scary? And he goes, no, no, there's, well, there's that log and, and there's that little drop, but you'll be fine. I'm like, okay, okay, surely you wouldn't put my 11-year-old in danger. Surely, right? You would not do this to me and my child. So we're kayaking along and, um, and, and you hear the little bitty rumble of the water and, okay, I'm starting to panic a little, right? But you get through it. It's all fine. And then all of a sudden, Mariah, who's straight ahead of us, like a mile, because she's like daredevil, Mariah goes, ooh, mom, a waterfall, yeah! 
And she proceeds to go off this like 1,200 foot waterfall. No, I'm kidding. It was about like this. But in my world, it was like, it was really scary. I can't get out of the water. I can't get around it. I can't go anywhere. And all I know is me, clumsy me, and the kayak go over and then under. And y'all, it probably was like a microsecond, but it felt like a hundred years that I was under the waterfall, under my kayak, and I can't get up. I was terrified, terrified. I come up with this look on my face, Pastor Adam said, I look like just sheer death. Because I thought in that moment, I'm going to die. I'm going to die, and we've all five lost our cell phones. And I don't know what's worse right now in this moment, replacing five iPhones or one human, McCain. One of them is going to be really bad. It was terrifying, completely terrifying. Well, the problem was, is the guy had dropped us off about 20 minutes earlier and said, see you in three hours, bye. We're soaking wet. Most of what I own has now floated down, including the life jacket that I'd had, floating down the river. And I can't get, I said, I'm done. I quit. I'm going to get out. They're like, you can't get out, Jamie. You got to finish this thing. You got to keep going. No, nope. Nope, nope, nope. We're all getting out. We're all quitting right now on this thing. But guess what? We didn't, we couldn't quit. We had to go forward. So for the next two and a half hours, every time a fish swam and so much moved the water, panic attack, pure panic attack. And I did all that I could to survive and pretend that I wasn't completely freaking out because my 11-year-old is like, yeah, this is so much fun. And I'm like, you have no idea how much your life is in danger right now. It was completely terrifying. Fear gripped me. To this day, if someone turns on a water hose, I have to breathe through it. We're going to be okay. It's all right, Jamie. It's just a water hose. But seriously, fear changed my whole perspective of my world in that one second. My perception, the the waterfall was always there. Everything was fine. Everybody made it out okay. But my fear paralyzed me and and basically um, affected the whole rest of the trip. Everything was affected because of my fear and my perception. And so many times before we want to get involved, before we're going to do something for God, fear grips us. Fear grips us that we're going to fail. Fear grips us that we're going to pray for somebody. Have you ever asked somebody to pray for, if you can pray for them and they go, like, ew, that's weird. I have. It's, it's awkward. It's very awkward. Fear grips us. Fear grips us. You come into church, everything's great. We thought well, this is one of those low-key churches without anything wrong. And now, Pastor Adam, done ask you to ha- invite somebody to Easter. Now you're looking for the exit signs. I got to get out of here. It's one of those churches. But you know what? We have to push past our fear. Ananias had to push past the fear. This man could kill you. I'm at, the Lord is asking you to go to somebody who could kill you. And yet, because the Lord spoke and said, I have a plan for this person, and you're needed to be a part of that plan. And that's what he says to all of us. He challenges us. Don't, la- don't be scared. Have courage because I have a plan. Have courage in whatever he's sending you to do. You know, I, I've mentioned it before, but I'm actually running for office right now. It's been a wild ride. 
It's been such a wild ride. It's a good thing that I went over a waterfall last November because now I'm like, nothing's worse than the waterfall, I promise. Nothing can be as scary as that little bitty waterfall um, to me. But you know, it, it, a number of some of the processes involve going to meetings and meeting people for the first time. Well, I'm a pretty high, you know, I'm an extrovert personality and I don't mind talking to somebody. And then I get an email that I've been invited to speak at an NAACP candidates forum. Okay, um, okay, how in 45 seconds can I introduce myself to a completely new group of people and hope to begin a relationship? Fear, grip me. Am I going to be misunderstood? And how? I know if I can sit down and we can all have lunch and we're going to have a blast, I can help people see my heart. But y'all, I was terrified. How can I do it? Not because of anyone else, because of myself. Can I do it? Can I be that person I need to be? But you know what I realized? Is that if I step out in courage, the Lord has everything under control. He prepares the way. I had the most fun. We had such an incredible time. I got to connect with people at that forum and at so many other forums where we talk about what we believe about the city, what we love about the city, and how we're going to help each and every individual in our city. It's been an incredible experience, but I had to push past fear. I had to push past my concerns, just like Anias did, just like we all do. You know, I know your neighbor may have heard you guys arguing in the backyard last week. It's true. It's possible. But guess what? You can't be scared that, that just because you're not perfect or a perfect Christian that you can't reach out to somebody and tell them that God's changed your life. Amen? Amen. The number one thing is fear. The number two thing is pride. Pride doesn't show up as much, right? Because it plays it cool so many times. But pride can keep us from joining in the big things that God's doing. We've seen this for years, Pastor Adam. I've pastored for, gosh, a really long time, 25 years or more. And, uh, and you see that happen. You see pride come in. And other pastors maybe say, I don't, don't want to get involved. You know, if that's their thing, I don't want to join in it. That's what I love about this community is that everybody lays down their differences, comes together for common causes. But pride keeps us from joining in. Because maybe, just maybe, if we join in to what somebody else is doing, maybe we don't get to do it exactly the way we wanted to do it. Maybe things aren't run to the degree of efficiency that we would have done it. Maybe, heaven forbid, we don't get the credit when it works out right because we were just one of the, the folks jumping in and being involved. There's uh, one of my favorite people, Mr. Ronald Reagan, said, uh, there's no limit to what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. Because all that matters is together we join in and we commit. You know, it's, it's a reality check for two only children here when we realize that we're just not as great as our moms told us we were. We really thought we were really awesome. But when you join into something else and bigger, you realize I'm just a little bitty part in this big thing that God's doing. But when we all join in, then those big things happen. That's the point of Second Chronicles 7. If my people will humble themselves, humble themselves. It's not about me right now, Lord. It's about what are you doing in this earth? Why did you bring me in this moment, in this time? Not why, Lord, why? No, Lord, show me why. I'm here. I'm humbling ourselves and coming to the table with what God has. The third thing that I see that keeps us from coming together and being apart is simply this, and it's the cares of this world. So many things in life 
will want to keep you from what God has for you. It's so easy for us to see and get caught up in the, in the things that try to steal our time. You know, I have to pick on my kids because they'll talk and they'll talk over me and now I don't remember what I was going to say. And so I'll have to be like, stop. No one say anything until I finish the thought that's in my head because it's about to leave and I need to keep it right now. And so, but many times that's the way life can happen. The cares of this world can pull us away from what God has to do and what wants to do in our lives. And it's so important that we push past our situation and our challenges and see what God has. This is what we see Jesus do so beautifully in John chapter 13. He is, I'll set the stage for you. It's the, it's the Last Supper. Jesus is sitting with his disciples. Judas has already come. He's kissed Jesus on the cheek. And Jesus says, Judas, do what you have to do. The, the wheels have been set in motion for the crucifixion. The time of his trial where he's going to be beaten, where he's going to be hung on a cross, where he's going to be abandoned and betrayed. All those things are about to happen. And he knows that very, very well. But his disciples in the room don't have a clue what's going on right now. They don't have a clue the pain he's feeling and what he's walking through. But instead of taking that moment for him to say, hey, guys, you you guys have no idea what I'm going through. You just have no idea. Y'all are in your own little worlds. That's not what Jesus does. John 13, 4, it says, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus takes that moment to invest in the people around him because he knows that they're about to go through the hardest thing they've ever been through as well. He knows that they're about to face losing the Messiah, the person they believe is the person they've laid their lives down that they're going to follow. Their worlds are about to be turned upside down. And so Jesus says, in this moment, I'm going to minister to you. Feet washing in the Bible times was a sign of serving, a sign of ministering to. He says, how can I minister to you despite what I'm going through? And so we have got to push past. The cares of this world are always going to be here. If we wait for a perfect time to go on a missions trip, it'll never happen. There'll never be such, a, such an abundance of extra cash that you won't have 10 other things you want to spend it on. It's setting that time aside to say, setting the time aside, setting the, the resources aside to serve other people and to give to other people. But that's when we become a part of the together and a part of what God's doing. And just like one little person built a barn in 10 hours because everybody comes together. And, and I can't wait for history to tell the big things that will happen because our generation was willing, I think more than many generations in the past, to put aside differences, to put aside denominational differences, to put aside generational differences and say, I don't always understand you and the way you think, but we agree on a common cause, and that's loving people and seeing Jesus touch their lives. Amen? Would you stand with me and join hands with the person next to you? I know we don't normally join hands and all that, but I felt it was appropriate for this morning's message. The youth are over here doing this, like trying to break each other's knuckles. It's really funny. Let's pray together. Father, we start with a heart of gratefulness for what you've done in our lives. As Pastor Adam said earlier, we know there's times when you protected us, when we shouldn't be here 
and yet you, you kept us, Father. You've taken us through so much. Lord, you've set us free from so much. Father, we're not the people that we were holding anger and, um, and, and so many things. But Father, set our hearts, set our minds today that when we join together to serve our community, to bring the love of Jesus to our generation. Father, that you come, that you heal from heaven, that you heal our land, Father, and you do a transformative work in our communities that may have never been seen before. Father, we give you our lives and we commit. Father, even as we approach this week of Miracle Weekend, Lord, put people in our path and then give us the courage to invite them. Give us the courage to minister to them and to pray for them. We ask in your son's name, amen. Man, if you just bow your heads once again with me, I want to give an opportunity. Maybe, Pastor, i got to be honest. I don't feel like I'm even in the family of God. Maybe you would go so far as to admit that maybe if you died today, you don't think you'd go to heaven. You don't really know Jesus. One of the things you'll notice if you're around around us here at Church on the Hill, this isn't about do's or don'ts and about going to church and giving money. This is about Jesus Christ being our best friend. That's all God ever wanted was a relationship with us. And so many times we get that confused. And today, as Miss Jamie was teaching us about coming together to make big impacts in our communities, bring miracles to our communities. One of the missing element for you may be that you're just not in relationship with Jesus, thereby you're not really together with the other believers. And I want to give you an opportunity today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you're not a Christian, I want you to know something. Jesus loves you. And I know that sounds trite because so many people have said it so often, but it's a truth. 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross. Someone had to pay for our sin. We were the ones who would have to pay for it had he not stepped in. If your child was kidnapped murdered, even though the person got caught and felt sorry about it, you still want justice. And that's what happens with us and God. We've sinned, and so there must be justice. So Jesus stepped up and said, I'll, I'll pay for, I'll pay what they, they're supposed to pay. I'll take, I'll take the, I'll take the punishment. The Bible says it like this, that he stepped up and he paid for all of our sin. And, and I always tell people, it's like he, he paid it forward. Every sin you'll ever commit, every sin you've ever committed, he's already paid for. It's, there's an account. I picture like there's this account with your name on it. And, and all you have to do is access that account and let grace and mercy come upon you and keep you from being distant from the living God and bridge the gap. And that relationship become a real relationship. You say, Pastor, that's amazing. How do I access that account? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He doesn't say you have to burn so many candles. He doesn't say you have to give so much money to the church or join a small group. He says, I will forgive you if you will but ask and let me into your life. Let me be Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It's that easy. It's that simple because all the heavy lifting was done 2,000 years ago. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as you're just contemplating your life, I want you to be able to make a decision here. If you're away from God, today's your day. Today's your moment. You say, well, I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I don't know. Listen, friend, an indecisive decision is still a decision. 
today's your day. And I want to lead you. I want to lead you into a, a relationship with the Lord. If, I, if we were at a party and Jesus, my best friend, was sitting over at a table and I'm hanging out with you, I bring you over and I say, Jesus, I want you to meet my best friend. And I start that engagement. That's what I want to do with you today. I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of friendship, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. He said, Pastor, I, I used to be a Christian, but life just happened, man. I don't know. I just got, I don't know, but I'm away from God. Friend, let me pray with you. Now, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And what I'm asking you for is deep, it's personal, it's serious. This is between you and the living God. And I know I'm asking you for that in the midst of a lot of people. I know I'm asking you to make a private decision, a deep private decision in public. But I'll tell you this. The Bible says if you're ashamed of me in front of the people, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. That's what Jesus said. And so today, every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I need a change. I need Jesus in my life. I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to let Jesus be Lord of my life. Friend, if that's you, I want to pray with you. No one's looking around. No one's, no one's paying attention but to their own heart. But if that's you, I need you to admit that to yourself and to me so I know who I'm praying with. If that's you and, you, and you're ready to make Jesus Lord of your life, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. You can put it back down. Thank you. Anybody? Thank you, sweet love. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, bro. Thanks for your honesty, man. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Anybody else? Okay. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being real. This is your moment. This is your moment to make it right with the Lord and no longer to have that giant elephant in the room, no longer have that shame and guilt. This is your time. God loves you, and he's drawing you in. Two more seconds. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. It's time. I'm ready to ask Jesus into my life. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for your, Thank you, sir. You can put your hands down. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of making Jesus your Lord. I want you to mean it with all of your heart. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of those who are praying Jesus into their life, praying, asking Jesus to forgive them, maybe for the first time or coming back to the Lord. And I want you to pray it like this. Come on, out loud. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you, but I ask you now to forgive me. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. I accept what you did on the cross so that I could have a relationship with the living God. Here and now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus is my Lord. Father, thank you right now for all those who cried upon, cried out to you. And Lord, that they've cast their cares onto you and you are now healing them and forgiving them. Lord, thank you that from this point forward, they can call themselves sons and daughters of the Most High God. Lord, I pray for a peace, a peace to overtake them, a peace to know that there's no more, there's no more conflict between you and them. That, yeah, they may sin, and they may make mistakes, but they're forgiven. They're a son. They're a daughter. And Lord God, what do you do with sons and daughters? Yeah, you, you spank us, but you don't throw us away. You don't get rid of us. Yeah, you correct us, and you work on us, but you don't tell us that we're not yours anymore. Jesus, thank you for the lives that have been changed. The Bible says that all the angels in heaven are going crazy right now. They rejoice when just one sinner turns back to God. So Father, thank you for those lives that today made a decision. May they never be the same. Lord, I pray right now. Lord, even as Miss Jamie has brought us the word of together. Lord, that this church, Church on the Hill, that we could do great things together. Lord, bless 
bless our time this coming Saturday as we, as we just love our community and we pass out Easter eggs and we just love on folks and, 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 and eat lunch together and hanging out at the park. Lord God, I pray that hundreds would have an encounter with you as they meet other Christians who are just figuring it out too. God, I pray that every post that we put out there, every person we invite through social media, Lord, their hearts that would be, have maybe been hard in the past, that their hearts would be softened and they could find the living God just like we have found you and just like you have opened up our hearts to know you better. Jesus, thank you for your kindness, and we bless you now in Jesus' name.